I was thinking, what did I say? Like, I couldn't remember. He pulls a check out of his pocket for $1.6 million from a donor advised fund. He said, look, I don't know if you got to give the leadership. I don't know what decision you got to make, but this is what we want to do to bless this church. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast, the Wildlife and Business podcast, where we have special guest, Dr. Oh, I'm I'm skipping ahead. He's not a doctor yet, but we're working. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the story here. But we have Pastor Kyle Ray here with us today, and I am super excited just to have you here. Thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am a pastor of Scent Church in Plano, Texas. Mm -hmm. Been there four and a half years. I'm married to Petra, twenty four and a half years. We have three kids: Malik, Matthew, Mimi, and the new dog Mason. And uh, we, uh, I came out of the engineering world before mm-hmm. I was a pastor. So that was 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, I love leading multi-ethnic congregations. I love talking about leadership development, Christ-centered leadership mm-hmm. development. So it's really been a joy to serve the Lord at mm-hmm. a local church. And I'm excited to speak at the WOW Conference this year. We are super excited to have you, especially yeah. coming from um, a church where like multi-generational, multi-ethnic, I mean, the wildlife is for everybody and i feel like even when it comes to different like cultures subcultures groups you know age ranges still communicating that message effectively to a diverse set of people i mean it looks like you're a master at that i just so (laughs) i count it as a blessing it's mm -hmm. been most of my adult life being in cross-cultural settings Mm -hmm. and so i love what you said the wildlife is for everybody that idea walking on water Mm -hmm. i love that can't wait Love it. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, I know you're a lead pastor of Scent Church um, in Plano, Texas. Okay. So if you're in Plano, (laughs) make sure to visit Scent Church. Okay. Absolutely. Um, Sundays, 9, 30, and 11. Just saying. Oh, okay. Shameless plug, 9, 30, and 11. Okay. I'll be at the 11, but you know, you can come to 9, 30 if you want. You can both if you sing. I'm just saying. I know if I sing, you have to pull up Scent Church Plano. But with that being said, um, I know that that is a pretty tedious schedule, mm-hmm. right? And so how do you balance both work, life, home? Yeah. The thing I've always said, because I've, you know, I've been pastor now for a while, and I've pastored larger churches and smaller mm-hmm. churches, but I always say that church is my fourth priority, right? My relationship with God is number one. My relationship with Petra is number two. My mm-hmm. relationship with my family, my kids is number three. And so even though I love the local church, mm-hmm. It's the fourth priority. Mm. It cannot dominate my life. I'm intentional about taking a Sabbath day on Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm intentional about making sure I'm home and participating in you know, evening activities. So I just try not to let it consume me. And I try and build good teams around me mm-hmm. that I can delegate to. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I have to have time in the Word. I have to have time where I'm journaling. I'm a journaler. Mm-hmm. That's how I write down what I'm hearing from God. Mm-hmm. And then I like to run. So Running mm-hmm. keeps my life in balance. I've run marathons, ultra marathons mm-hmm. to raise funds for clean water. That's mm-hmm. a whole other part of my oh, life. Wow. But I try and live my life in balance mm-hmm. to stay sane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, journaler, I heard that you are actually writing a book. I am writing right? a book. Tell yes, us a little bit about that. So the book would be called Prenatal Purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually writing the book, but I'm working on a doctor in ministry right now. Okay. Researching this topic. Can people figure out what they were born to do? When, wow. When we, That's uh, a heavy question. Yeah. When we talk about walking on water, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's much easier to lean into that lifestyle if you 
are doing it in your sweet spot of purpose. Mm -hmm. So this idea of prenatal purpose emerges from the story of Jeremiah in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Mm. And before you were born, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. He's saying, mm. before you were even known, I had purpose for your life. I'm trying to help people discover it. And it's really part of my story of how I left engineering and became a pastor. Wow. So leaning into that a little bit, yeah. leaving um, engineering and becoming a pastor, tell mm -hmm. us about that. How did you know it was time to uh, leave you know, that career and go into ministry? Yeah. So around 2002, I began to ask God a simple question in my morning prayer time. God, what did you create me to do? Like, what was I born to do? Mm -hmm. I said, I like engineering, but it's not the thing I would do for free if money yeah. wasn't an issue. Yeah. And um, I began praying that prayer. I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, journaling, trying to listen for the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's a series of events, and I'll talk about them in the book and share some at the conference, but it became very clear. And one day I heard the word seminary, and I laughed, like seminary. And I can't see me learning any Hebrew or Greek. That's what I said to God. And it was like, God said, who do you think got you through your engineering degrees? I was like, well, I guess you did. Mm, and so those are hard. They were, they were difficult. Those are tough. <laughs> it what? was. And so and the next thing you know, I am, uh, I mean, I took about a year reflecting on this calling, but I started seminary a year later. My wife and I kind of did a career flip-flop and I earned a master's of divinity and I began working at a local church. But it was confirmation while in seminary that it wasn't just a call to education. It was a call to shepherd people. Yeah. And so um, I still remember preaching the first sermon. I still remember learning pastoral care. Mm -hmm. I'm in the whole journey and I feel like I'm doing now what I was born to do. Mm. I love that. So the wildlife, you know, it stands for walk on water, testament to uh, Peter, how he had to get out of the boat, walk That's towards right. Jesus and yeah. how that same faith is kind of resonates when it comes to entrepreneurship, business ownership, right. um, you know, maybe for creatives, just basically any assignment that God has for you, you have to have this element of walking on yeah. water. Yeah. And I know being a pastor, you come across people all the time who are kind of probably in this season of life where they right. are having to walk on water. What advice do you have for somebody who's kind of in a season um, of transition or a season of, man, my faith is being tested. My That's faith right. is being stretched in this yeah. season. Well, I'm going to give the advice that emerges straight from the text about Peter, which is keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Ooh. If we study the text, Mic we drop. know that <laughs> once he looked away from Jesus, that's mm -hmm. when he noticed the wind, the waves, everything going on around him. Mm. And that's when fear really crept in. Yeah. So I know it sounds cliche for a pastor to say, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, but it really comes down to that. Like for me, near term, um, and then past this whole prenatal purpose thing, it's been on my heart for nearly a decade. Mm. I've spoken on it. I've spoken in college settings, trying to help young people that are majoring in something that somebody told them to major in, but it's mm -hmm. not really what they were born to do. I've talked about this, but I, I felt like it got to a point where it would be disobedient yeah. to Jesus if I didn't start speaking on it more, writing on it more, mm -hmm. and really trying to dive into the research on it more. Mm -hmm. And I got challenged last year on my 50th birthday where some of my friends said, what are you going to do with that? Are you just going to be a punk and <laughs> sit on it and, and not do anything with it? These are like childhood right. friends. It's like, who cares how many people, who cares how many people will read your story or, or mm -hmm. even care about, you still have to put it out there. Right. I felt like that was God saying, put it out there. So mm -hmm. 
stay in tune into the voice of Jesus. Sometimes we worry too much about outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so then that makes us afraid to Ooh, just take good. the step. Mm-hmm. You can't get out the boat if you're worried about the outcome. You just got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. Mm. Did you guys take notes? I hope you are taking <laughs> notes. These are gems that are being dropped. And it's not even February 17th. That's right. yet. That's so right. tell us about a time where you had to really, I mean, exude this kind of faith, walking on water. I know yeah. we talked about your book, but is there any other times yeah. in your life that other people could maybe resonate with your testimony? Yeah, there was a time when I was pastoring a church in Michigan. I felt like God was calling us to launch a campus in a nearby community. Mm. I tell this story all the time. We, I, I toured a building. The school system was downsizing. They were selling off buildings. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I drove around that building and prayed. But at some point, I had to go public to the congregation with what God had laid on my heart. Right. Uh-huh. And so I remember we were having this, what we call a family meeting. The congregation was going to come together and I was ready to cast this vision, but I was afraid. And I talked to a mentor of mine. He said, when you stand up there tomorrow, why don't you just tell them you're afraid? And why don't you ask them to mm. pray for you? And so he said, ask them to pray for you. And in the 90 days, you'll come back and give them the vision. Ask them to pray that God would break you of the fear. So I did that. I stood up. I said, I think I know what God has next for us. I'm afraid to tell you, would you pray for me? They said, absolutely. So for 90 days, and there was a point where I know God broke me. I was in tears. I was weeping. And so 90 days later, I stood up before them. I said, look, there's this campus idea. There's a building. I said, and I didn't plan to say this in my script. I said, how are we going to pay for it? I said, well, we'll probably lease the building unless one of you wants to write the check for the $1.6 million that the building appraised for. A couple came up to me after the meeting and they said, Pastor, we need to meet this week. Fast forward to Wednesday of that week. They said, Pastor, you probably didn't know we sold our business last year. We put the money in a donor advised fund and we were looking for ways to bless the church. When we came to that meeting, as soon as you said what you said about the building, he said, my wife started weeping. And I was like, what did I say? I was thinking, what did I say? Like, I couldn't remember. He pulls a check out of his pocket for $1.6 million from a donor advised fund. He said, look, I don't know if you got to get with leadership. I don't know what decisions you have to make, but this is what we want to do to bless this church and help it reach lost people in that community. When he handed me that check, I was like, (laughs) I I said, what? Like this kind of thing only happens in books. That's exactly what I said. We bought that building for $800,000. We renovated it. We staffed it. We set aside reserves. We used some of that money to plant other churches. It was a paid for building. Only God could do that. No, I was afraid. But I had to stand up and admit my fears, invite prayer. And then I still had to stand up and cast this vision publicly, not knowing where the resources were going to come from and God provided. Mm. I left that experience saying I should never doubt God ever again. I wish I could tell you I've never doubted God ever again. But the walk on water life is keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The one who calls us out of the boat is the one who will equip us to walk on water. Mm. That is so like amazing. That's deep. I feel like sometimes the power is within admitting, like, I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side, but I know one thing. I know the God that I serve, you know, and there's just power in knowing that. Mm -hmm. And so testimonies like that are crazy um, because it takes crazy faith to believe that God can do something that's like that, you know? Yeah. so I know being a pastor too, you come in, uh, I know being a pastor, you come into contact with a lot of like entrepreneurs, business yeah. owners. So going back to that, 
Um, what advice do you have for an entrepreneur, business owner, somebody who might have staff where they want to still infuse like, you know, faith principles into their business, but we're living in a world where it's kind of, you know, not yeah. as easy to do that. Yes. Yeah, so, so often in the church, we talk about ministers, we talk about missionaries, but there's a new term that we use more often called marketplace multipliers. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that term. And that's, that's just acknowledging that. Mm -hmm. Jesus gave the Great Commission, go into the world, make disciples of all nations. And so we often think, I got to be a missionary or a minister to do it. Mm -hmm. No, that's anywhere you go. That's as you go. So what we say to people in the marketplace is, the, the Great Commission will probably be most fulfilled through you. There are people that, mm. that, that you all are going to rub shoulders with in the business world that I, as a pastor, won't be able to. Because the minute I come and, and mention I'm a pastor, they're like, the guard is up. <laughs> like, I, I better stop cussing. I better not drink too much. But when you run a business, mm -hmm. you're a business leader, and you start to infuse those principles into your business, don't just do it because it's good strategic planning language or values language, but really think, I, I have a, an opportunity mm. to make disciples in this context. And we, we get too concerned about HR and lawsuits and all these things. A disciple is like a, a disciplined follower, like someone right. that has their eyes fixed on Jesus and they're modeling a lifestyle. And, and, and the, the Great Commission life, that, that walk on water life is like, I just want to make sure that as I, as I go through the water, I'm leaving disciples in my wake. Mm -hmm. You know, like when a speedboat boat goes through the water, if you've ever been tubing or, or water skiing, those waves that are there, we all leave something in our wake. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be about the bottom line for the Christ-centered, you know, marketplace leader. It's got to mm -hmm. be about, am I leaving disciples by my example, by my words, by my intentionality? Mm. That's really good. So at the Wildlife and Business Conference, we're going to cover um, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Yes. Um, and explore how those components relate to business. Yep. Um, with that being said, um, what tips do you have for anybody in search of balance for both life and business? Because we find that sometimes as humans, we focus on one and right. forget the other, yeah. right? So what are yeah. your tips on balancing both of those? So, so often we, we talk about the spiritual disciplines as pastors, like the things you do, you, you have time in the word, you have a prayer life, you've got to make sure you fast and, and journal or whatever these practices are. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the monks have them down well. Yeah. Right? So those are things we do to try and hear from God and try and keep our lives in balance. But inevitably storms come and I've seen my share. My wife went through a cancer journey. So sitting there in the hospital room for days at a time, celebrating when I had a bed to sleep on in the room, as opposed to just sleeping in a chair mm -hmm. as she was walking through chemotherapy. Um, adopting boys from the foster care system and the trauma that they brought and then having our mm. oldest son be incarcerated and 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 all of that. And, and yet feeling like, well, at least when he was incarcerated, I knew where he was sleeping each night versus when they're out in the streets and you don't know. Like inevitably these storms come. Mm. And what I found, here's the tip I would give, when the weight of the storms come, whatever rhythms you normally have to stay sane probably won't be enough. Meaning you've got to be willing to change up your rhythms mm. because the weight of life is heavier. So like your normal rhythm sustains you through the normal weight of life. But when, right. the, when the weight increases, be willing to change things up mm. because what you've normally done, if we're not careful, we start to think that's enough momentum to get us through the tough times. Yeah. But I tell people all the time, I live in the real world. Like right now, the season of life I'm in, we're in that sandwich generation. We got a fifth grader. And I got an 82-year-old mom who mm. spent Christmas Day in the hospital, right? And so 
there's this elder care thing that's going on. My wife's out of town because her dad just had hip replacement surgery. And so how do we manage all of that? Well, it's what we normally do, but then trying to change some things up to keep ourselves in relationship with each other and with the Lord as we walk through this difficult season. Mm, That's really good. So do you have any, before we... Uh, before we close out today, do you have any tips um, that you would give or advice that you would give to anybody who is watching? It could be anything. Well, I just, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about prenatal purpose. And I would just say in a world where we spend so much time thinking about prenatal care, prenatal vitamins, listen to the right music in the womb. I don't know that we spend enough time thinking about what was I born to do? What did God know I would do? Like what target is my life pointing toward? Because I believe that if you can find that target, mm-hmm so many other things come so much easier. Right. Like even the call to make disciples. What if you were making disciples from your sweet spot of purpose Mm -hmm. and not just flailing around trying to figure out what you're supposed to do? And I will say this, that um, in Jeremiah's story, when God told him that, like before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah's first response was an excuse. He said, I'm too young and I don't know how to speak. And God said, don't say I'm too young and I'll give you the words to speak. Whatever those excuses are that you're making for not living the wildlife. Some of you are watching this podcast and you haven't even signed up to come to the conference yet. So whatever excuses you're making, um, I want to encourage you, lay them down and step into the wildlife. Wow. Step into the wildlife. That is <laughs> that's the new that's the new uh, slogan for the conference. But thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We can't wait to see you on February seventeenth from twelve to seven p.m. here in Farmers Branch, Texas. Make sure to get your ticket at livethewildlife.com. Make sure to connect with Pastor Kyle Wright and Scent Church, and also check out prenatalpurpose.com. Um, sign up for uh, the newsletter that will launch more information on his upcoming book. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So make sure to get plugged in there. We look forward to seeing you soon. Put a thumbs up on this video if you liked it and comment below any takeaways that would be helpful. Have a wonderful day and be blessed. Bye.